Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to do our final show before the college football playoff kicks off. And it is the first annual number one college football show awards. Hence the reason I got on a tuxedo. I dressed up nice for y'all. I want this to be a very big deal because, well, our award show slaps. Leave that in, Kat. Leave that in, Tyler. I really, really am excited about this. And as always, I get help doing all of this, right? It's one of the things that I really cherish is the help that we get to put on this show every single week and that means bringing in our lead producer tyler wojak to help us go through our first annual college football awards show tyler what's going on man i'm thrilled to be here what a privilege it is to be here for the first award show on the number one college football show for those watching you can see that i dressed up myself maybe not quite as well as you did rj but i tried i gave it my best i love the look i love the look for those that don't actually get it it's a blue blazer and the shirt is brian kelly doing the gritty yes and that's an excellent shirt tyler excellent choice <laughs> i appreciate it all right you ready for, to get into the awards yeah man let's do it all right so the first award we're giving out to is the best offensive player of the year now typically the heisman trophy does that but that's actually really just the quarterback so we're going to expand it to every <laughs> offensive position this year so in the first annual number one College Football Show Award. The first award we're handing out, RJ's Offensive Player of the Year, goes to Minnesota running back, Mohamed Ibrahim. I love me some Mo Ibrahim. I'm very excited that he is our first Offensive Player of the Year because now I get to talk about him at length. And basically what I want you to understand is that Mo Ibrahim is him, all right? We're talking about a dude that manages to rush for damn near 1,600 yards this season, and nobody knew about it, unless you're a Minnesota Golden Gopher, and I get that, right? You feel some kind of way about it. But Mo Ibrahim first burst onto the scene for me on a Thursday night game in 2021. I went to Minneapolis. I was working on a feature about C.J. Stroud that you can now read came out around uh, Ohio State-Michigan week. And I'm supposed to be talking about or writing about the starting quarterback. Turns out this dude, Mo Ibrahim, rushed for 160 yards and you know, had a season-ending injury. But for me, I was going, my goodness, they could do nothing with this man and this zone that they were running. And he reads it so well because the way that he runs it, he's like a bowling ball that comes into you like razor blades. 
and they could feed him and feed him and feed him. And I'm looking at my notes here and I just, I'm still floored by what Mo has been able to do in his entire career, right? Because we're talking about up until the last game of the regular season, he had rushed for over a hundred yards in every game he played dating back to 2020. You got to go back to 2019 for the last time that Mo Ibrahim had not rushed for 100 yards or more until the final week of the regular season. I'm really excited to see what his NFL experience is going to be like. And it's frankly a dude that we're going to miss, especially in the Big Ten, where they had just an outstanding amount of great running backs from Blake Corum, right, to whatever Ohio State tailback you wanted to put back there, to Nick Singleton breaking out. I mean, we can go to Braylon Allen, what he was doing at Wisconsin, another 1,100-yard rushing season. But this was an opportunity to give that man some flowers as he is the, well, all-time school leader in rushing yards and rushing TDs, Tyler. Yeah, I think it was a great pick, a little bit underappreciated, so glad we could give Mo some spotlight. Personally, uh, my unbiased pick here would have been Michael Mayer, the tight end out of mm. Notre Dame. Somehow didn't win the Mackey Award. Yes, I'm using this as an opportunity to give some shine on that. I don't know how. I know Georgia fans are going to come at me. It has become a sensitive topic between the two fan bases, but I had to throw that in there. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So let's move on to the Defensive Player of the Year Award, okay? So RJ's Defensive Player of the Year Award goes to Georgia Defensive Tackle Jalen Carter. Really an easy decision for me because we were talking about Jalen Carter last year when Jordan Davis was caving in offensive lines. And I even wrote a column saying Jordan Davis should be your Heisman favorite going into November. Of course, the Heisman does not care about defense. It acts as if defense has never been played a single play ever in the history of the sport because all they want to do is give it to quarterbacks, running backs, and occasionally a wide receiver. But to see Jalen Carter is to see the future of defensive line play. My favorite play is this one here where he's sacking Jaden Daniels, but rather than putting him on the ground, he literally picks the man up and then he puts a finger in the air, like in one fell swoop. I don't know how you sun somebody more than doing that in the SEC championship game. And he's been doing that all season and for the last couple of years. He will be the first defensive interior lineman off the board in 2023, but it's also about what is Georgia doing to get these dudes down there to play defensive line year after year after year. 88 is my favorite defensive player, and I believe a deserving recipient of our first annual Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah, I thought this was a great pick. No disagreement from me. And one thing about defensive line play, and particularly defensive tackles, right, it's like, some people, even people who are really dialed into the sport, you know, you look at the stat sheet, defensive tackles aren't necessarily stuffing it, right? Because that's not necessarily their job. But when you see a great defensive tackle, you know it. And no mm. example was better than the one that you just mentioned when he just lifted Jaden Daniels, a college football quarterback who's not really a small dude, just lifted him in the air and carried him around like a baby. I couldn't help but laugh. And it's honestly one of my favorite moments of the entire college football season. I couldn't agree more. I, I was not expecting him to pick him up. I certainly wasn't expecting him to pick him up and then put a finger in the air. You know, like yeah. that was that was the part that would put it over the top for me. Yeah, without a doubt. And just if you're Jane Daniels, you just try to forget that one. And just to be honest, it could have been a lot worse. He could have just buried you into the turf. But that's not what happened there. All right, let's move well, on. Really, oh, really fast, really quick, really quick. Kirby Smart remarked on that play. And he said, 
That's why we don't let him hit Stetson Bennett. Because the same thing would happen to Stetson. Stetson would be in pieces, not sitting there as a Heisman finalist. I had to throw that in because at least his coach knows what's going on. To be fair to Stetson, I think that would be the end result if uh, he had done that to just about like 98% of the population. Um, But let's move on to the coaches. Let's give some shine to them. So for RJ's Coach of the Year Award, the first annual Coach of the Year Award, goes to TCU head coach Sonny Dykes. This one was an easy one. Yes, it did. And one of the things that I really need to be reined in on is, hey, RJ, say the obvious thing. And producer Tyler, producer Cat are very good about that. And this, frankly, was the obvious pick, right? Sonny Dykes goes 12-0 and in his first season at Texas Christian, a team that was picked to finish 7 out of 10 in the Big 12. They get to the Big 12 championship game. They lose that game in overtime, but they make their first ever appearance in the college football playoff later this month. Very excited for what TCU has ahead of it. They've got a new facility that they're putting into the ground. And frankly, for Sonny Dykes to come in and do this on the heels of Gary Patterson being ousted, I cannot underscore what a big deal that is because they still got a statue of Gary Patterson on campus at TCU. And Sonny Dykes knew all of that being a Texas guy. And then he develops the Davey O'Brien Award winner and Max Duggan. He's probably got a first-round pick at wide receiver in Quentin Johnston. And he made two of the better hires in all of football last year, bringing in Garrett Riley to run his offense, who run the Broyles Award, and Joe Gillespie, who I believe is the most underrated defensive coordinator in the sport, who produced the Jim Thorpe Award winner in Travius Hodges Tomlinson. It's really been outstanding what Sonny Dykes has done in just one year at TCU. It's incredible. And honestly, the butterfly effect from this, because now every first year head coach is going to be expected to have at least somewhat similar success to Sonny Dykes and Lincoln Riley, too, for that matter, because now Mm -hmm. this is the standard. And in a sport where there was already a quick trigger on coaches, it might even be quicker now because fans are just going to be like, well, look what Sonny Dykes did at TCU. It took him one year. And I think we're going to see the fallout of that for years to come. They have a Bama problem, right? I did uh, radio at WJOX earlier this week. He's going, hey, it's a down year at Alabama. I said, what? You're going to play in the Sugar Bowl. Like, you, you, got, you won 11 games. What are you talking about a down year? Well, we're used to playing for championships here. And I'm going, goodness. You want to talk about us being delusional as fans? Yes, I could not agree more. Everybody's going to expect their guy to be what Sonny Dykes was in year one. And then, frankly, that's just... That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being that guy. Good luck to all you head coaches out there, especially you first-year head coaches trying to live up to those expectations. It's a it's a cold world out there. But Sonny Dykes wasn't the only great coach this year. Actually, he wasn't mm-hmm. even the only great coach in his conference because our next award is uh, going to go out to your underappreciated coach of the year, someone who hasn't gotten a ton of shine, but that's the whole p- purpose of the show. So, RJ's underappreciated coach of the year award goes to Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. Absolutely outstanding what Kleiman has done at Kansas State. Basically, did the same thing that Sonny Dykes has done. It just took him the normal amount of time to do it. It's four years, right? He comes in to basically run the program that has Bill Snyder all over it. Matter of fact, it's Bill Snyder Family Stadium where they play the games, but he came in as a national championship coach with a national championship pedigree. He'd won four national championships at North Dakota State, which is an FCS juggernaut. 
And then came to Manhattan, where you're just not going to get the kind of exposure that you get at a Texas, at an Oklahoma, at a USC, or even a TCU. Then recruited Deuce Vaughn, who became a two-time first-team All-American as an all-purpose player, which means he's got the best all-purpose player in the country for two years running, developed Will Howard behind Adrian Martinez, turned him into the kind of guy that can go win you the first Big 12 championship at Kansas State since 2012 when Kansas State offensive coordinator Colin Klein was quarterback for the Wildcats. Tremendous what he has done. And frankly, Chris Kleiman has made it his living. Well, I should say, has made it his job and making a living as his job, beating the hell out of my team, Oklahoma. Like, it just it just feels like if you want me to, you, to talk about you being underappreciated, go stub a mud hole in the Sooners and walk them dry more often than not. And he put it out there against a team that we thought was all really, really good at Oklahoma and said, no, 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 no. This is a harbinger of things to come. I'm really interested to see if Kansas State can defend their Big 12 crown with expansion coming in 2023. Because remember, Central Florida, Houston, BYU, Cincy, they're all coming to the Big 12. And Kansas State has an opportunity to say, actually, we run this conference and we're going to be very good. Also sneaky here, Deuce Vaughn has not opted out of playing in the Sugar Bowl and expects to play against Bama. Might be the best bowl game uh, that we watch all season long. Very excited for Chris Kleiman, and I fervently believe he's deserving of this award. Without a doubt. And shout out to Deuce Vaughn. He was amazing at Media Days. He was definitely a fan favorite for us. And you mentioned the Oklahoma-Kansas State game. I think that was the first time where everyone in the college football world saw, wow, okay, they— They've got something going on there. And then, for whatever reason, they were sort of dismissed the rest of the way. And I think all of that changed in the Big 12 championship when they were able to knock off a previously undefeated TCU team in an unbelievable game. So I'm glad we got to give uh, Coach Chris Kleiman some shine there. But I also wanted to mention, honorable mention from me, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Um, If you haven't been following the Pac-12... What Oregon State and the Beavers said this year was really incredible. They had USC on the ropes despite not really fielding a quarterback. It was an incredible defensive performance for the Beavers. So I wanted to give him a shout-out before we move on to our next award, which is our most underappreciated unit of the year. So there are plenty to choose from here, but the winner of RJ's underappreciated unit of the year award goes to uh, the Iowa defense. Yeah, man, I felt so terrible for the Iowa defense uh, basically for two years running now because they have played national championship caliber defense. They just not have not had an offense to go alongside them. They produced their first Buckets Award winner in school history this season in Jack Campbell. Seth Benson's outstanding. I've heard that Cooper DeGene is actually the best player on that defense. You could take that up with whomever you want to. But this is also an opportunity for me to, well, reveal perhaps a diamond in the rough in Phil Parker, who's been at Iowa since 2013, but you keep doing this with your defense, you're going to stay defensive coordinator at Iowa as long as you want, but you're also going to have athletic directors beating down your door saying, can you come run our program? Because we are watching how y'all are taking your defense and winning football games without a quarterback and without a functioning offense. Very, very cool to see the Iowa defense going all out, playing all out on a team that frankly didn't look like it was going to win seven games and now has an opportunity to finish the season with eight wins, uh, very much underappreciated for me. And I'm glad to see that uh, we got some shine for Iowa here. Who's got pick sixes coming out of, out of their ears, Tyler? Like, look at all these touchdowns that they're scoring and the uh, defense is going, see offense, we can do it. Why can't y'all? 
Look, I get it. And it's easy to dismiss Iowa as a collective. This year was not uh, their best year, to put it lightly. But I want to give the, all the viewers here a quick peek behind the curtain. So RJ and I were on the field for the Iowa-Ohio State game. And we couldn't stay there long because we had to go back and watch the games to get ready for the show. And I said to RJ, hey, let's stay. We'll watch Ohio State's first scoring drive, and then we'll head out. A little bit dismissive of me. I know. And Iowa started out, I think they threw a pick on the first play from scrimmage. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Iowa defense holds Ohio State to a field goal. Then the next time Ohio State had the ball, C.J. Stroud, sack, fumble, recovered for a touchdown from Iowa. And I looked at RJ like, okay, I was wrong. (laughs) So I'm glad they won the award here. I think it was a, a pretty easy one for them. They were unbelievable all year despite the struggles on the offense. And they really carried their team throughout the way. I could not agree more. I was not expecting to, to talk about Iowa defense in that game. Now, it turned out we didn't talk about it for very long yeah. because Ohio <laughs> State would be the first to tell you we put up 54 on Iowa, RJ, chill out. Yeah. But it's not the defense, right? The defense was going, hey, we gave the offense a shot. They let us down, and now we want to go home. Yeah. It's a long game. Ohio State, deep, or Ohio State offense is pretty good. I don't know if you guys have heard. All right, our next award. This is a little unique. It is the I Love College Award. RJ, would you like to explain the characteristics and the criteria of this award first before I announce the winner. Yes, I would love to. The I Love College Award gets its name from Asher Roth and the song I Love College because it's very much about a grown man who just likes the college experience and wants to stick around for as long as he can. I We could lay it over the top of Wooderson here. I get older, they stay the same age. That's how I feel about many of the players in college football now because with the COVID eligibility and a fifth year, we're seeing guys like Stetson Bennett, for instance, who is the same age, or I shouldn't say the same age, born the same year, 1997, as Lamar Jackson. Stetson Bennett ought to be a pro three years in, but he's not because he loves college. He returned from a national championship team to play again because he loves college. So, If we're going to put numbers to it, you have to have played for at least five years. But getting that sixth year of eligibility puts a special place in my heart and probably puts you on this list. Is that good enough, Tyler? Definitely. That was a perfect description of the award. And you mentioned Stetson Bennett. I'm 26. I feel like I've been out of college for an eternity. Stetson Bennett is one year younger than me. It's honestly a little bit jarring. But Stetson is not, in fact, the winner of this, this award. So the winner of the I Love College Award goes to UTSA, Frank Harris. Frank Harris is the mascot for Roadrunners football. Nobody loves him more than his head coach, Jeff Trailer, and he means the world to Roadrunner fans. He can run, he can pass, and he can play forever because he's coming back for a record seventh season of college football. As a matter of fact, Jeff Trailer was not shy about it. He said to the Roadrunner alumni, you want him to stay Annie up in the NIL collective so we can keep him. And they did. So not only will he be playing in the bowl game, he'll be back in 2023 where we get one more season of Frank Harris, who absolutely loves college. A couple of other folks that I want to mention here who could have won this award, right? Britton Covey last year, right, who played from 2015, to 2021, and if you look at his sports reference page, one of my favorite things, he's a junior for three years in a row. (laughs) 
which is ridiculous. He's a Philadelphia Eagle. Shout out to him and the Eagles who are doing outstanding in the NFL. Might be talking about Jalen Hurts winning MVP. Dorian Thompson-Robinson was also another guy that could have won it in 2022 because he became the first quarterback in college football history to start for five consecutive years. Matter of fact, Chip Kelly told him last year, you should go to the NFL because there is a vacancy for guys like you, guys that can make it happen with their legs and can absolutely see the field. And he said, actually, coach, I would like to come back and play. And not only did he come back and play, he too is slated to play in UCLA's bowl game. And I'm very excited to see him play for the Bruins for his last game, I think, of his college football career. Yeah, it's awesome. And some people on the outside, they might be like, well, come on, give it a rest, move on. It's college. Why not? <laughs> like, I love my job. I like working. You know what sounds better? Playing big-time college football for seven years, okay? So I get it. I respect it. And uh, I, a lot of good contestants. But, man, Frank Harris, seven years of college is it's pretty nuts. Like, I was doing the math here. You could have got your degree, your master's degree, in, say, your MBA, maybe a year, maybe two. And then you could either have finished law school or picked up another master's degree while still playing quarterback at UTSA. That's outstanding. And to the point about staying in college, yo, man, I can't think of a better experience than being the returning national champion and quarterback and the first quarterback to lead your program to a national championship in 40 years and getting experience that, right? That's Stetson Bennett. Can't imagine what it's like to be a Heisman winner returning, right, to college. That used to be a thing that didn't happen. Bryce Young has done it. Caleb Williams will do it. It's exciting. And frankly, when everybody tells you these are the best years of your life, whether they're lying or not, take them at their word and just go through it and see how it functions for you. And I've never met a man who went back to college who did not enjoy himself. Yeah, plus with a little NIL money in your pocket, must be nice. Must be nice. All right, let's move on to our next one. This goes out to the diamonds in the rough. Now, we've done this segment before on the show, but now we have one conclusive winner for the 2022 season, and that goes to UAB running back Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride wins this mostly because you would have had to have seen him and made it your job to see him to understand how this man became the FBS rushing champion on a six-win team whose coach retired earlier this summer. They decided that they were going to ride the McBride train, and he got them 1,713 yards on the ground. He averaged over six yards per carry. I believe it's at 7.3 for the season going into their bowl game he expects to play. It's an opportunity for me to take a look at group of five teams, which we really don't have a whole lot of room for on the show, and say, this dude is a cut above many of the rest. Uh, it reminds me of Kevin Smith at UCF a couple of years ago when he was that outstanding guy. I'm excited for UAB football. They have Trent Dilford taking over as head coach. He's going to make some moves, and he's already talking about breathing fire in the southeast, and I'm going, yo, buddy, you're down the street from Tuscaloosa. Let's Let's pump the brakes there. This ain't Lipscomb, but it is UAB, which didn't even have a football program a couple of years ago and have produced the FBS champion in rushing. My goodness, uh, that's not too shabby. I'm very excited for Dwayne McBride's future, and we'll see what it looks like. Okay, I've got another one to throw at you. Mm. Marshall running back Kalen Laybourne. Marshall do anything so, this year? <laughs> uh, look, look, look. I already have a part of Notre Dame that I'm going to talk about. But do you want to describe why you want to talk about Marshall and, and, and their outstanding tailback? 
Now let's table it. All right, let's move on <laughs> to the play of the year. So there were plenty of unbelievable plays made by college football players this season. Here's a few of the nominees. First one, Cornelius Johnson's first touchdown against Ohio State. Truly changed the game, but not the winner. Brock Bowers, 73-yard touchdown against Florida. Great play, great player, not the best tight end in the country. Anyway, uh, the third one, TCU's game-winning field goal over Baylor. A perfectly executed fire drill on the football field, but none of these three are the true play of the year, at least for the number one college football show. So, RJ's play of the year goes to Marvin Harrison Jr.'s catch out of Ohio State, and I'm pretty sure you know the one I'm talking about. Is it the one where his knee goes in a direction that knees don't? Oh, my God! My knee has snapped like seven times watching this, and the idea that he got a foot down in bounds and made this catch is ridiculous, right? I believe this catch is the one that cemented him as a Blitnikoff Award finalist, the first one at Ohio State since 1995 when Terry Glenn won the award. Like, I'm so enamored with flexibility because I'm just not, but flexibility with size and speed and strength. And then the idea that you just get up after that and you go play in football, that's ridiculous to me. I also want to take an opportunity to mention another that I left off the list. It's Braden Lindsby's catch against Navy where he pinned it against the back of a Navy football player and then snatched it out of the air. I thought that was an outstanding play. It'd be awesome if we could show it, but I'm going to throw you a bone over there. I'm going to I'm going to do that for you, Tyler. I'm going to acknowledge you had a play of the year. I appreciate it. Braden Lindsey did make an incredible catch. Um, it honestly should have been an easy touchdown. I think he was wide open for like 10 yards. But nonetheless, a little underthrown, he made the play. With the Marvin Harrison Jr. catch, his left leg defies physics to me, right? Like his body is coming down. Like you would think naturally his left foot would go down just to plant and support him. Instead, he's going down, his left leg goes up, and his right leg, somehow he's able to plant it inbounds and make the catch. It was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen, and then you're right, he just shrugs it off like, okay, whatever, next play. Ridiculous. He's an alien. That's why he's Marvin the Martian. Like that, You just don't do that stuff and get up and go play football, or at least we don't. Only right. he does. Exactly. Exactly. And guess what? He's got one more year of college football left, which is is crazy to think about. Okay, so our last one here. It's the best of money in the bag. I would assume most of you watching and listening to this, you're familiar with this segment. So, RJ, I'm going to just tee it up to you, man. This is all you. Give me the best money in the bag from the 2022 season. My thanks, sir, because I really do enjoy our money in the bag segment. For those of you that are uninitiated, every now and again, we have a big-time college football program that decides that it wants to put on its schedule a beater, a team that they expect to tune up on before they play their conference schedule or their big league schedule if you are in Notre Dame. Mention Notre Dame. So they pay these teams that are usually undersized and sometimes even under-divisioned to come into to their home place and play a football game for, you know, 300000 500000 or even $1.5 million. And every now and again, one of those teams decides to not only take the money, but to take the win. And as they're coming out with the win, they put the money in the bag. So let's start with my first winner of our Money in the Bag award on the number one college football show. And that is Marshall. At Notre Dame, all right, the Herd were a 20-and-a-half-point favorite 
to the, excuse me, the Herb Willow, 20 and a half point underdog to the favorite Notre Dame, that man right over there. And then they beat Notre Dame 26 to 21 in South Bend. And my favorite, the cherry here, that's Marcus Freeman's first home game. <laughs> How do you rein in? Your first season, you take a loss to the Thundering Herd and you give up $1.25 million to the team from Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, Tyler, do you have things you want to say here? Hey, Marshall finished eight and four. That's a quality loss if it were up to the CFP uh, committee. Uh, who, who, I'm trying to say, didn't y'all finish eight and four? <laughs> yeah. Are, are, is Marshall did. on par with Notre Dame now? Do we get to say that? Hey, they, they did. Credit to the Thundering Herd, man. I have nothing but good things to say. And that wasn't a fluke. They they kicked our butts up and down the field for 60 minutes. And I thought, you know, it was one of those things you're like, any second now, Notre Dame's going to take control. And that never happened. So it was a tough one, a bitter pill to swallow. As you mentioned, it was Marcus Freeman's first home game. That honeymoon that basically lasted 10 months, it ended on that day. But again, credit to the Thundering Herd. They got paid and they made us pay for it. Hey, man, for all the Drew Pine smoke that we 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 hear from you on this show, wasn't Tyler Buckner in that game? Uh, yeah, he was. And he threw the uh, okay. game clinching I'm just, I'm, pick Hey, six. look, I'm him. saying, may, maybe it just takes that some time. Him. It was him. May, maybe it takes an Audrey Estime to to show up and, yeah. and play. Maybe it takes a Logan Diggs. Maybe it takes a Joe Alt to find his form, right? I still believe in Notre Dame. I still believe. But I'm, I'm glad that the Golden Domers came through with the $1.25 million. Okay, that's enough dunking on Tyler for today. Let's move on to our number two Money in the Bag winner, and that is Appalachia State going to Texas A&M to beat the Aggies 17-14 to as a 17.5-point underdog. And frankly, this, this game for me was more about App State going to Kyle Field and getting a W than it is about Texas A&M woefully underperforming this season, but that was a harbinger of things to come for them, certainly. But to see an App State Mountaineer do what he is doing right now, running all up and down the Texas A&M defense, is not anything that any of us expected to see in 2022. And they came home with $1.5 million and the win against the Texas A&M Farmers, ampersand you. You're back to being ampersand you. We don't call you Texas A&M anymore. And then number three and our final award for best money in the bag, Middle Tennessee at Miami. Now, the Blue Raiders were a 26.5-point underdog. They beat the Hurricanes 45-31 to at the Hard Rock, and they took home $1.5 million, to which we got this outstanding quote from Rick Stockstill, who went on Nashville local radio 104.5 The Zone and said they ran for 194 against AM. the number whatever the team in the country at this point. They ran for 68 against us. They averaged 1.5 yards per carry. They gave $1.5 million. We gave them 1.6 yards per carry. Rick Stockstill, putting on for the Blue Raiders. I love this. I love it so much when we have a team that's supposed to get stomped on, do some stomping of their own. Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Miami. I said you've been had. I said you've been hoodwinked. I said you've been led astray, bamboozled. This is what he does. My goodness. 
the thundering herd, the mountaineers, and the blue raiders put the shimmy in the shag. Yo, put the money in the bag. Goodness me. College football. I love it so much. Anybody can get their behind beaten, okay? Anybody. Like, that's the whole point of this show, man. It's just because they're the stronger doesn't mean they can't get their asses kicked. Like, that's that's where I'm at. Tyler, am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, you are not. And I think that's a great way for us to end. That is the last of the awards that we will be handing out today in our first annual College Football Awards. This has been a blast, RJ. I'm glad we got to do this. And uh, I hope everyone listening and watching enjoy this at home, too. As do I. Uh, I'm grateful to Tyler, who came up with this idea to begin with. And I was like, oh, hell yes. Yes, please. And then the Yeoman's work to get this done. You could see we had special graphics for this show. Shout out to Abby Trees, who put that together for us. And that's going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. I want to mention that my buddy, Michael Cohen, my buddy, Brian Fisher, they have some pieces coming out later next week about National Signing Day. you want to go check those out. you also want to check out our All-American list at Fox Sports, where, you know, we put together our own All-Americans. And I dare say that there is dissension in the ranks. I also wrote about Mike Leach in his passing. Go check that out, please. And my buddy Mike uh, Cohen has a great story coming out about Nick Harbour, who will find out where he decides to play his college football, a high school player you're going to want to know about. Our lead producer is Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Torin Westfall and Jake Coley, Coakley excuse me, are our leads of screening. I'm the host, RJ. We will talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. We're going dark until just a couple of days before the college football playoff where we will have a preview show for both the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, talking about every point there is among those four teams and get you set up for the doubleheader that is sure to deliver. All right, see y'all in a couple of weeks. Deuces.